0: Of Human Bondage by W. Somerset Maugham, Chapter One Hundred Seventeen. Philip had written to Ethelny to tell him that he was doing a locum in Dorsetshire, and in due course received an answer from him. It was written in the formal manner he affected, studded with pompous epithets as a Persian diadem was studded with precious stones, and in the beautiful hand, like black letter, as and as difficult to read upon which he prided himself he suggested that philip should join him and his family in the kentish hop field to which he went every year and to persuade him said various beautiful and complicated things about philip's soul and the winding tendrils of the hops philip replied at once that he would come on the first day he was free Though not born there, he had a peculiar affection for the Isle of Tanned, and he was fired with enthusiasm at the thought of spending a fortnight so close to the earth and amid the conditions which needed only a blue sky to be as idyllic as the olive groves of Arcady. The four weeks of his engagement at Farnley passed quickly. On the cliff, a new town was springing up, with red brick villas, round golf links, and a large hotel had recently been opened to cater for the summer visitors. But Philip went there seldom down below, by the harbour, the little stone houses of the past century were clustered in a delightful confusion, and the narrow streets, climbing down steeply, had an air of antiquity which appealed to the imagination. By the water's edge were neat cottages with trim, tiny gardens in front of them. They were inhabited by retired captains in the merchant service, and by mothers or widows of men who had gained their living by the sea, and they had an appearance which was quaint and peaceful." In the little harbor came tramps from Spain and the Levant ships of small tonnage, and now and then a windjammer was borne in by the winds of romance. It reminded Philip of the dirty little harbor with his colliers at Blackstable, and he thought that there he had first acquired the desire, which was now an obsession, for eastern lands and sunlit islands in a tropic sea. But here you felt yourself closer to the wide, deep ocean than on the shore of that North Sea which seemed always circumscribed. Here you could draw a long breath as you looked out upon the even vastness and the west wind, the dear soft salt wind of England, uplifted the heart and at the same time melted it to tenderness. One evening when Philip had reached his last week with Dr. South, a child came to the surgery door while the old doctor and Philip were making up prescriptions. It was a little ragged girl with a dirty face and bare feet. Philip opened the door. "'Please, sir, will you come to Mrs. Fletcher and Ivy Lane at once? "'What's the matter with Mrs. Fletcher?' "'called out the doctor in his rasping voice. "'The child took no notice of him, but addressed herself again to Philip. "'Please, sir, her little boy's had an accident, and will you come at once?' "'Tell Mrs. Fletcher I'm coming,' called out, called out Dr. South. "'The little girl hesitated for a moment, "'and putting a dirty finger in a dirty mouth, stood still and looked at Philip. "'What's the matter, kid?' "'said Philip, smiling. "'Please, sir, Mrs. Fletcher says, "'will the new doctor come?' "'There was a sound in the dispensary, "'and Dr. South came out into the passage. "'Isn't Mrs. Fletcher satisfied with me?' he barked. "'I've attended Mrs. Fletcher since she was born. "'Why can't—why aren't I good enough "'to attend her filthy brat?' "'The little girl looked for a moment "'as though she were going to cry. "'Then she thought better of it. "'She put out her tongue deliberately at Dr. South, and—' before he could recover from his astonishment, bolted off as fast as she could run. Philip saw that the old gentleman was annoyed. "'You look rather fagged, and it's in a goodish way to Ivy Lane,' he said, by way of giving him an excuse not to go himself. Dr. South gave a low snarl. "'It's a damn sight nearer for a man who's got the use of both legs than for a man who's only got one and a half.' Philip reddened and stood silent for a while. "'Do you wish me to go, or will you go yourself?' he said at last, frigidly. "'What's the good of my going? They want you.' Philip took up his hat and went to see the patient. It was hard upon eight o'clock when he came back. Dr. South was standing in the dining room with his back to the fireplace. "'You've been a long time,' he said. "'I'm sorry. Why didn't you start dinner?' "'Because I chose to wait. "'Have you been all this while with Mrs. Fletcher?' "'No, I'm afraid I haven't.' I stopped to look at the sunset on my way back, and I didn't think of the time. Dr. South did not reply, and the servant brought in some grilled sprats. Philip ate them with an excellent appetite. Suddenly doctor South suddenly doctor South shot a question at him. Why do you look at the sunset? Philip answered with his mouth full. Because I was happy. Dr. South gave him an odd look, and the shadow of a smile flickered across his old, tired face. They ate the rest of the dinner in silence, but when the maid had given them the port and left the room, the old man leaned back and fixed his sharp eyes on Philip. "'It stung you up a bit when I spoke of your game leg, young fellow,' he said. "'People always do, directly or indirectly, when they get angry with me. I suppose they know it's your weak point.' Philip faced him and looked at him steadily." "'Are you very glad to have discovered it?' "'The doctor did not answer, but he gave a chuckle of bitter mirth. "'They sat for a while, staring at one another. "'Then Dr. South surprised Philip extremely. "'Why don't you stay here, "'and I'll get rid of that damn fool with his mumps? "'It's very kind of you, "'but I hope to get an appointment at the hospital in the autumn. "'It'll it'll help me so much in getting other work later. "'I'm offering you a partnership.' said Dr. South, grumpily, Why? asked Philip with surprise. They seem to like you down here. I didn't think that was a fact which altogether met with your approval, Philip said dryly. Do you suppose that after forty years' practice I care a two-penny damn whether people prefer my assistant to me? No, my friend, there's no sentiment between my patients and me. I don't expect gratitude from them. I expect them to pay my fees. Well, what do you say to it? Philip made no reply, not because he was thinking over the proposal, but because he was astonished. It was evidently very unusual for someone to offer a partnership to a newly qualified man, and he realized with wonder that, although nothing would induce him to say so, Dr. South had taken a fancy to him. He thought how amused the secretary at St. Luke's would be when he told him. The practice brings in about seven hundred a year." We can reckon out how much your share would be worth, and you can pay me off by degrees. And when I die, you can succeed me. I think that's better than knocking around hospitals for two or three years and then taking assistantships until you can afford to set up for yourself. Philip knew it was a chance that most people in his profession would jump at. The profession was overcrowded, and half the men he knew would be thankful to accept the certainty of even so modest a competence as that. "'I'm awfully sorry, but I can't,' he said. "'It means giving up everything I've aimed at for years. "'In one way and another, I've had a roughish time, "'but I always had that one hope before me "'to get qualified so that I might travel. "'And now, when I wake up in the morning, "'my bones simply ache to get off. "'I don't mind where particularly, "'but just away to places I've never been to.' now the goal seemed very near. He would have finished his appointment at St. Luke's by the middle of the following year, and then he would go to Spain. He could afford to spend several months there, rambling up and down the land which stood to him for romance, and after that he would get a ship and go to the east. Life was before him, and time of no account. He could wander for years if he chose in unfrequented places amid strange peoples where life was led in strange ways. He did not know what he sought or what his journeys would bring him, but he had a feeling that he would learn something new about life and gain some clue to the mystery that he had solved only to find more mysterious. And even if he found nothing, he would allay the unrest which gnawed at his heart. But Dr. South was showing him a great kindness, and it seemed ungrateful to refuse his offer for no adequate reason. So, in his shy way, trying to appear as matter-of-fact as possible, he made some attempt to explain why it was so important to him to carry out the plans he had cherished so passionately. Dr. South listened quietly, and a gentle look came into his shrewd old eyes. It seemed to Philip an added kindness that he did not press him to accept his offer. Benevolence is often very peremptory. He appeared to look upon Philip's reasons as sound. Dropping the subject, he began to talk of his own youth. He had been in the Royal Navy, and it was his long connection with the sea that, when he retired, had made him settle at Farnley. He told Philip of the old days in the Pacific and of wild adventures in China. He had taken part in an expedition against the head-hunters of Borneo and had known Samoa when it was still an independent state. He had touched the coral islands. Philip listened to him entranced. Little by little he told Philip about himself. Dr. South was a widower. His wife had died thirty years before, and his daughter had married a farmer in Rhodesia. He had quarrelled with him, and she had not come to England for ten years. It was just as if he had never had a wife or child. He was very lonely. His gruffness was little more than a protection which he wore to hide his complete disillusionment, and to Philip it seemed tragic to see him just waiting for death, not impatiently, but rather with loathing for it, hating old age and unable to resign himself to its limitations, and yet with the feeling that death was the only solution of the bitterness of his life. Philip crossed his path, and the natural affection which long separation from his daughter had killed— she had taken her husband's part in the quarrel, and her children, he had never seen, settled itself settled itself upon Philip. At first it made him angry. He told himself it was a sign of dotage, but there was something in Philip that attracted him, and he found himself smiling at him, and he knew not why. Philip did not bore him once or twice he put on his hand once or twice he put his hand on his shoulder it was as near a caress as he had got since his daughter left england so many years before when the time came for philip to go dr south accompanied him to the station he found himself unaccountably depressed i've had a ripping time here said philip you've been awfully kind to me i suppose you're very glad to go i've enjoyed myself here but you want to get out into the world "'Ah, you have youth,' he hesitated a moment. "'I want you to remember that if you change your mind, "'my offer still stands. "'That's awfully kind of you.' "'Philip shook hands with him out of the carriage window, "'and the train steamed out of the station. "'Philip thought of the fortnight "'he was going to spend in the hopfield. "'He was happy at the idea of seeing his friends again, "'and he rejoiced because the day was fine. "'But Dr. South walked slowly back to his empty house. "'He felt very old.' And very lonely. End of chapter 117.